If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. That with it, world. What's up, it's with your it? boy Chosen. Man, and I'm back in the building, you dig? And for all of y'all that haven't already done it, you know what I'm saying? Go out there and join icebreakerproductions.com right now. Support your favorite ICE artist right now. You know what I'm saying? Get a ringtone, get a t shirt, buy the calendar right now. Or you can even pick up a teddy bear. You know what I'm talking about? We got everything. Got everything. Um, Every Wednesday, y'all need to be checking out the Icebreaker Radio Show at mm-hmm. 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. 7 p.m. Can you hear it? Icebreakerproductions.com. You know what I'm saying? Scroll down about the middle of the page and click on the player and you got us. You know what I'm saying? And if that ain't working for you, hop on iTunes and listen to us on the podcast. I ain't tripping. You know, you can get us on anywhere. anywhere. And uh, if you really want to know what's going down at all times with Icebreaker Productions, you got to follow us on Twitter at Icebreaker Radio. And if right you're a now. Facebook lover, hit us up, Icebreaker Productions. You know right what to do. And uh, for all of y'all that like them live, fresh videos, you know you can follow us on the YouTube channel, Chosen972. Right if you're now. still in the old school and, you know what I'm saying, you still on MySpace, hit us up, 972. We ain't tripping. And uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and hop into this album, The Reason That You're Hearing My Voice. Uh-huh. You like one of these artists, you know what I'm saying? So get your jam on, get your lean on, yeah. and uh, I'll be back at you later on in the future with more ice. This is RF with the RF Sports Radio Show. Do you have a business, a product, a service, or a website, and you need more customers? Advertise with the fastest-growing Internet sports radio show and market your business to sports fans worldwide. Don't miss a unique opportunity to capitalize on the biggest marketing genre in the world. Email me at rfsportsradio at gmail.com. That's rfsportsradio at gmail.com. We have options for every budget, and don't let business pass you by. Good evening, and welcome back to 
Football Extra Points on our sports radio. I'm your host, Scott King, creator of FootballExtraPoints.com, part of the Yard Barker Network. Uh, tonight's show, we're going to be recapping the Super Bowl. Uh, last night, we had uh, some power issues here at our sports radio, a little similar to what they experienced down in New Orleans, so we're coming on a night later, but that's okay. Uh, we're, we're able to call an audible and keep things rolling, so... Uh, we're going to be touching on the the Super Bowl, put a put a bow on that, and also um, start talking about the uh, off season here for the NFL, which gets started already today. Actually, there's been some activity, so uh, we'll get right into that. If you'd like to call in, uh, the number is three two three nine two seven two nine zero six, and we can talk about the. Super Bowl and and get started a little bit here on the draft. I've been working on some things, um, my draft boards, the mock drafts, so trying to get all that out there. So just to go back um, to Sunday, we had another great Super Bowl for the NFL. Uh, the highest rated show in the history of television in the U.S., which is, is pretty amazing because I think they do it about every other year with the Super Bowl, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, the game ended up uh, pretty tight. 34-31 was the final score with Baltimore coming out on top. Uh, early on, looked like a pretty ugly game. San Francisco got out to a really slow start, and the game almost got completely away from them, but they were able to come back and make a little bit of a game out of it. So that was great for all of us watching the game. <laughs> Excuse me. So at the first first start of the game for San Francisco in the first half. It was kind of interesting. First play after two weeks being off, planning, walk-through practices, uh, the first first play was a penalty for illegal formation. I don't know how you manage that after uh, after all this time of prep work, but it was just pretty crazy. So, unfortunately, that, that was kind of a sign of things to come for San Francisco. Had a very slow, ugly start to the game. Just really couldn't get much going on. Uh, three and out and a punt. And, uh, they gave up a touchdown to Baltimore there in the first quarter and put them down seven to three at the end of the first quarter. What I took away from the game early on was San Francisco really struggled to run the ball early in the game. They got a little bit going in the in the running game, but they just weren't really able to to get their running game going. And what I noticed about Baltimore was they continued to push the ball down the field. Uh, Flacco was going deep and really pushing the ball. He ended up with a touchdown uh, to Bolden, which was good for them. And I was impressed with the fact that they didn't give up on their game plan and they just kept pushing the ball. Um, second quarter, um, when... San Francisco was able to move the ball. One thing I noticed was that uh, Vernon Davis was targeting Ray Rice, taking advantage of him um, in his advanced age at linebacker. And throughout the game, even in the in the later part of the game, when San Francisco went to Davis, it seemed to have some success there. So it's too bad they didn't take more of advantage of it as they could. The uh, San Francisco fumble there in the second quarter was really a huge momentum shift. Um, that was devastating. They were driving the ball. San Francisco was looking good, and they just they just fumbled it. 
and that that was really a, a big knock there for San Francisco and Baltimore just picked it right up, went down and scored a touchdown. They were running and throwing the ball at will. And really, San Francisco's defense early on in this game was just not able to get things rolling. Um, Kaepernick showed his youth during the second quarter also with the interception. And it was unfortunate. I'd have to watch the replay again. I've seen it a couple times. I don't know what happened to that ball. I think it just got away from him. And uh, it was a terrible time for a pick and really set up uh, San Francisco, or I mean Baltimore there with the ball. That's when uh, Baltimore, though, after they drove down, they went with a fake field goal. And that was a pretty gutsy call at that point. The game was still pretty pretty much uh, up for grabs. And it's just, you know, an interesting call. But I give John Harbaugh a lot of credit for taking the guts to go ahead and and try for it. It, it was, at the time, it looked like a, a bad decision to leave points on the field when you're in the Super Bowl. But, you know, at the end, it, it paid off for them. And... Right after that turnover, San Francisco couldn't do anything with the ball three and out. So you're looking at San Francisco's second quarter possession, a fumble, one play and a pick. They get a turnover inside of their own 10 on a fake field goal, and they have nothing at all to show for it. And it was just really unfortunate for them. Uh, the sequence there at the end of half, they weren't able to put anything together. And and really ended up with with, uh, nothing to show for it, which was unfortunate. On the other side of things, Baltimore, I mean, Flacco hit Jones with a bomb, and San Francisco's defense just uh, played really, really poorly there and and let Jones get up after he fell down and run in for the touchdown. And, you know, it just just showed uh, kind of a lack of concentration, lack of focus by San Francisco's defense at that part of the game. So we're looking at a, a 21-6 to halftime score at the Super Bowl. The game sure felt a lot further apart than that. Uh, Baltimore looked like they could just do whatever they wanted, running and throwing the ball. And San Francisco just wasn't able to get things going. One thing that was interesting about both these teams in the, in the championships game was that they both were able to make some really solid halftime adjustments, and they both came out and shut out their opponents in the second half of their games. So this was going to be a chance to see how these two coaches were going to make their adjustments, how they were going to come out after halftime and what they were going to do. And San Francisco, after the long halftime with the Beyonce halftime show, kicks off to Jones deep in the end zone, and what does he do? Run the back for a touchdown. And at that point, if you're on the San Francisco sideline, you've just got to be thinking, you know, what is going to go right for us at this point? We're down 21 to 6. We open up the second half with a deep kickoff, and the guy runs it back for a touchdown. And you're down 20, 28 to uh, 28 to 6 at this point, and it's just really looking ugly. And then after that's when probably the oddest thing I've seen in a Super Bowl ever, most people would probably agree, is, is power went out in half the stadium. And in the Superdome, we lost half the lights. It, uh, CBS did a good job of covering it. Uh, they lost their booth team, so they had to go to the sideline, and then they set up their, uh, their studio crew there on the sideline, and they provided some breakdown, which 
which I thought was actually pretty interesting to get their their views on the game kind of at that mid midpoint. So the question coming out of that was going to be, how are the teams going to respond? What were they going to do uh, coming out of this power outage? And San Francisco, I don't know if it was game planning, if they got their, their heads right or what, but they just came out on fire after that, put together some really solid drives. They, they were finally able to move the ball. They put up 17 points in that third quarter. It really started to look like a team that, that made its way to the championship, and it was impressive to see them um, able to keep it together and put together some sort of, uh, of an effort in this game. Had some pretty long drives, some big plays, so it was um, it was good. And, and Baltimore finally made a mistake with the uh, fumble there by Ray Rice in the third quarter. Interestingly, San Francisco missed the field goal, but they ran into David Akers and was able to give them another chance to to put a, another field goal up. So at this point, we're looking at uh, 28 to three. I'm sorry, 28 to 23 was the score at that point, and San Francisco was absolutely back in this game and really made a made a great effort to to be right in it. Uh, the Ravens kicked a field goal there in the third quarter, and then Kaepernick had a great touchdown run when they got the ball back and uh, ran that long sweeper on the outside to score a touchdown, but they missed the extra point, which ended up not really – I'm sorry, they missed the two-point conversion, which didn't really end up affecting them much there in the game. But in the fourth quarter, uh, San Francisco continued their hot, hot streak there with another touchdown. And they got the ball back and were able to drive down inside the 10-yard line, had plenty of opportunities, and just came up a little bit short. The only criticism I have there of San Francisco was on that fourth down play, everybody in the stadium, everybody watching at home saw the blitz coming. They knew it was coming. They should have called timeout. Saving your timeout at that point on fourth down doesn't do anything for you. You should have called timeout, reset, come up with a better play. That fade to the corner with Crabtree, with all that pressure coming up the middle on Kaepernick, was really a tough, tough pass to, to get off. And and even without the, the bumping there with the the DBs and, and Crabtree in the corner, that was going to be a hard play to, to execute. So I think they should have gone ahead and called the timeout, reset the play, and given them a better chance to to get something going. So, um, you know, and then we've got that call there at the end with the uh, the possible holding situation. You know, when you see it happen and, and you look at that play happen quickly, it's easy to say, well, it could go either way. When you look back at it and when I see the, the replays, it was clearly a holding call. Uh, you, you don't want to see a, a game end on a penalty or a non-call, but, you know, the guy was holding Crabtree. It was pretty evident there. It's unfortunate that the game doesn't end on a clean play, but it's just kind of part of the game. So they let them, they let them play, and that's fine. But, you know, it leaves, leaves a little bit to discuss here in, in the uh, going out of that Super Bowl is whether or not that was a clean play. 
So that was really the only bad call I saw in the game that, that was kind of questionable. They, they were letting him play. There was a, a pushing incident with a Ravens player and a referee uh, in the game that didn't get picked up as an ejection. I don't think it was malicious. I think the player was just reacting to somebody being on his back. He didn't know who it was. So that's not really a, a big problem. But, you know, give the credit to Baltimore. They, they got off to the big lead, and they didn't change their game plan. They'd come into that game throwing the ball deep, throwing it down the field, pushing the ball, and that's exactly what they did. And Flacco and those guys just did not give up on that game plan. And it's impressive to see. I like to see that uh, they stuck with what got them there. Uh, ran pretty solid with Ray Rice. Ray will put together um, some rushing yards and enough to keep keep the San Francisco defense honest as far as the passing game, passing defense goes. So it was, uh, it was good, and the credit goes to Baltimore for the, for the win. You know, can't take anything away from them. They earned it, and they did a great job. As far as the 49ers go, uh, you know, Kaepernick, they, they continue to start slow. I don't know if it's a, it's a situation with him being a young quarterback, if it's poor uh, game game planning early on in the games. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but they played tight and really gotten in a hole and had to come back. Kaepernick showed his youth there with the, the interception. They also had an early timeout in the third quarter, which was just, you know, completely unnecessary. So it, it was his 10th start in the NFL. Uh, you know, he can only go up from there. He made it to the Super Bowl in his first season starting. So you got to be pretty excited if you're a 49ers fan. Uh, from the Ravens side, obviously you come away with the Super Bowl. A lot of hype heading into the game with Ray Lewis. A lot of um, conversation about where he lands in the historical um, landscape of the NFL. He's the greatest linebacker of all time. We'll have to see. You know, he's definitely um, once the dust settles from his career, we'll we'll take a real hard look at it. But he's definitely up there in the top top handful of linebackers. So that's a, a quick recap of the game. Uh, I know most everybody watched the game in the whole country with the, with the ratings they've gotten. So that was uh, kind of my take on things, the way I saw it from my seat. And the game turned out a little different than I expected. I, I really thought San Francisco was going to win this one, but they started off in a hole and just weren't able to recover. So you're listening to Football Extra Points on our sports radio on our special Tuesday night edition. Uh, I'm your host, Scott King. If you'd like to join the conversation on the Super Bowl or we'll be talking about the offseason here in a little bit, you can call. The number is 323-927-2906. I talked a little bit about uh, Ray Lewis a minute ago. This was obviously his last game. Yes. Hey, this is Rodney. I just want to remind you that I did pick the game correctly. Just thought I'd throw that in there real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Yo, you gotta 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 give you credit there. You had yeah, just wanted just, just wanted to mention that you're doing fine, man. Just want to mention <laughs> I did pick it correctly. That's all. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I I was holding out hope that San Francisco was going to make me look good after my preseason pick, and they let me down. So I was a little disappointed, but uh, yeah. I was, Baltimore looked good. They they deserved to win it, so happy for them. Um, 
Yeah, and Ray Lewis goes out with a second ring. You've got to be impressed with that. Uh, he about 13, 14 years apart, which I, I've got to believe is an NFL record in between Super Bowl championships. He wasn't much of a factor in this game, more of a, an emotional leader, kind of a leader on the field. San Francisco did a good job of targeting him with Vernon Davis at, at points during the game and, and was really exploiting the fact that he'd lost the step. Um, you know, maybe looking back, San Francisco should have taken advantage of that situation more. Um, but Ray Lewis goes out on top. Uh, I think it's probably, you know, good for him to announce it before the game so he can uh, get it out of the way and, and spend the last couple weeks talking about it. And he goes out on top. You know, L.A. a couple years ago, back in the late 90s, won two two championships and retired on top. And that's, you know, not much better way to go out on top. Hopefully uh, for him, he stays out of the game and doesn't come back in three or four years and end up in Oakland or Cleveland or somewhere just hanging on, playing because he thinks he still has it, and he walks away with the championship. Uh, the other, on the other side of the ball, uh, another another player towards the end of his career was uh, Randy Moss. He had a couple of targets, one decent decent pickup on a pass, but was really a non-factor. He hasn't been much of a factor this year. I've been trying to figure out here in the last couple of days if he's made any announcements for retirement. I haven't seen any. Um, you know, if he comes back and, and is more of a coach, coach on the field, coach off the field, you know, that's about all you can expect from him, a possession-type receiver. San Francisco, if they have a weakness on offense, it, it would be the wide receiver situation, and they've, they've definitely got to get that figured out here this offseason, either through the draft or free agency or both. For those two guys here towards the end of their career, they look pretty solid, um, put up some decent efforts, and uh, obviously Ray Lewis comes out on top of the championship, so that's, that's good for him. From the quarterback side of things, I mentioned it earlier, Kaepernick, he had his 10th start in, as a pro. He's been running this uh, zone read, pistol option offense. Had some success with it. Struggled early yesterday, but I'm sorry, Sunday. But they were able to put together uh, some decent drives and, and get it rolling. I think the biggest risk there, obviously, everyone talks about is injury. You know, does he end up like RG3 with, with a bad injury on, with running the ball all the time or concussion or something like that? So. You never want to see a player injured, especially a young, talented player like that. So hopefully, um, you know, he, he's got a huge arm. He can throw up in the pocket. So that will help him sustain his career and keep it going. On the Ravens side, Joe Flacco, he got a Super Bowl, and that's great for him. I, I've been a huge uh, critic of Flacco and, you know, haven't been the biggest fan of his. And I haven't kept that a secret. But it looks like we've got a caller coming in um, to talk about the Ravens. Are, are you there, Whitney? Hello? Hello? Yes, hello, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> calling to talk about your Ravens and their victory. Oh yeah, I was calling to comment about that. Um, I heard you were talking about the uh, Joe Flacco situation, and you're not the only one that was that's criticized him or whatever you want to say. But um, he's actually, I think, proven himself to 
to think not only his fans but to I mean himself. I mean he would come out and talk about how he was this elite quarterback, but now he actually has a ring to prove it. Yep, absolutely. And and Baltimore went into that game Sunday and put it on his shoulders. Uh, they continued to push the ball down the field, which which actually impressed me that they just didn't let up on that game plan and took advantage of the speed they had on the outside and just kept pushing the ball. And, and he called himself an elite quarterback before the season started and, and you know, throughout the season took, took some flack from people like me. But he came out on top. I mean, he's the one that's got the Super Bowl and, and you can't take that away from him. Yeah, um, I think it's a great thing, though. I mean, for people to, you know, not only not only you, but other people as well have said the same thing, if not worse, that, I mean, he's not a great quarterback, he's not accurate, blase, blase, but he seemed to prove it. I mean, not only in um, the postseason, but, I mean, in regular season as well. Yeah, he had three straight losses, but it's nothing compared to how they came back or they bounced back and, prove themselves, not only Joe Flacco, but the whole team pretty much. I mean, like during the Super Bowl, I realized that uh, Ed Reed was trying to target other receivers other than, you know, Jacoby Jones and Anquan Bolden. He actually got Ed Dixon in there and started throwing it to Ed Dixon. So I was surprised about that. But um, I've seen that coming a little bit because I knew that they had the targets like Anquan Bolden. They they tried to double cover cover him and Torrey, but Ed Dixon was just single covered and he threw it to him twice in a row and caught at least 20 yards passes each uh, each time yeah i was i was impressed with the uh aggressive gameplay there i I think the the decision to change offensive coordinators there at the the second half of the regular season really paid off to be a great decision for him and and the offensive line was giving him time to make those deep plays and and that's that's playing to his strength. He's got a huge arm, and they were just taking advantage of it the whole game. Yeah, definitely. The um, change of the offense coordinator made a big difference of the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, um, I guess Caldwell was – I mean, I don't know. It's just a great – I think it was a great thing for them to do. It was a chance, but they took it, and they overcome a lot of negativity. And I'm actually very proud of them for doing that. And today I was also watching the parade, and it was it was like overwhelmed with people, and the fans came out and really supported. I mean, the whole whole ordeal was awesome to witness. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Uh, as a fan, uh, I can't imagine. Unfortunately, my team's nowhere near a, a championship in Detroit, so uh, hopefully one day I'll get to see it. Uh, yeah. There at the end of the game. I know that uh, you know Baltimore definitely won, and, and I don't want to take anything away from them. But that that last play there on fourth down on Crabtree, would you have been surprised if they threw a flag for holding on that play? Would you have thought it was a bad call? It was pretty tight; could have gone either way. Yeah, um, I think that uh, I would have been mad just because I'm a fan of the Baltimore Ravens, and they would have been what on like the one yard line or something. So I would have been pretty upset. But at the same time, they went through the whole game without calling a lot of things. Like, they just pretty much they let them play ball. And um, I respect them for that. Um, I'm not surprised that they didn't call it just because of the other calls that they didn't throw or 
some calls they missed. I mean, I think that is that's just any Super Bowl. I'm correct. I mean, I might be wrong, but it's my opinion. I think that they could have threw the flag. Yes, he was holding him, but they were on the five yard line, and I think the the rule may be hold him for five yards and you let go. So I'm not sure if I, I know he was holding him, but they were both kind of pushing off on one another, and it was just a, a I guess the spur of the moment where he, they just didn't throw the flag. And I know a lot of San Fran fans are upset about that. I mean, you could see in the hardball Jim's eyes that he was mad and he was doing all this, holding, like symbolizing that they were holding and all that. But I think that the rest did the right thing and didn't call it. Not just yeah, because I'm a fan, but. <laughs> right. Not that you're biased at all. But, uh, yeah, as kind of an independent, I mean, I, I picked San Francisco and I was pulling for them, but it was a tough, like you said, they let them play the whole game, so at least they were consistent. It was definitely holding. It's just the question of whether or not they threw the flag and they didn't. I think San Francisco didn't give themselves the best the best chance to win. That, was, that wasn't the best play call. They should have called timeouts seeing the blitz coming. So I don't think – San Francisco will put too much on that one because they could have done a lot more to help themselves out in that situation. Yeah, and I was actually watching a um, press conference when they asked Jim Harbaugh if he had practiced, um, you know, the part where uh, the the punt guy was in the end zone and he did a safety. He asked him if they had practiced that, if that were to ever happen, and Jim said in the regular season but not not for the Super Bowl. They didn't think that they would – actually get the the punter to run around in the end zone and do all that mess. So they weren't expecting none of that, which is a, a big reason why I think we came out on top is, I mean, we went through it. We went for it on fourth down actually one time and didn't make it. It was a kicker, <laughs> Justin Tucker, I think. And yeah. uh, other than that, I think they, they just weren't ready fully. Like they just came out and they looked like they were, just lagging, and if it wouldn't have been for the power outage, I think it would have been a stomp. Like we would have ran away with it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, what, what did you think of Ray Lewis's kind of ending his career there with a championship and and going out on top and and all he's done for that team? I mean, I think um, as the leader of the team, you can pretty much say he he did what he he set out to do and he conquered his goal and I'm proud that he got to do that. I mean, there's people you either love him or you hate him. He's just that type of guy, I'm guessing, but um, as I saw today, as I witnessed on TV, when the the fans like broke down the barricades of the parade just to get surrounded by Ray Lewis, I mean, there's just undeniable film that I know that he felt in his heart, in his heart driving down you know, the parade route, having all those people surrounding him and him having to get guards around him so people wouldn't, like, trample over him. You know, like, I know that that has to be a great feeling for him, not only winning the the Super Bowl, but just all the fan support and, you know, getting through everything he's been through. So I think it's paid off for him in the long run. Yeah, do you see him having more success after his career as a coach or a broadcaster? I think he'll broadcast for sure. Um that's yeah. just something that I can see him doing. He, I mean, he might be—he might actually do both. I don't know if that's possible, but he—he he could actually do both in my eyes. I mean, I don't know. 
Yeah, he, he's quite an interesting character. Well, uh, appreciate the appreciate the call, and, and I'm sure you're enjoying the victory. So, um, you know, the Ravens definitely deserved the win and, and played a great game. So I know you and the rest of the Ravens fans are, are very excited about that. Oh, yeah, thanks. All right, well, you're listening to Football Extra Points on the R Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Scott King. If you'd like to join the conversation, we're just wrapping up the Super Bowl. Uh, number is 323-927-2906. And I was just uh, – we were just talking about the Ravens there and, and just one kind of final thought on Flacco. I've been an open propo- uh, critic of his all season. And, you know, my criticism of him based on kind of his gameplay, the way he – he has a, a low completion percentage, not really continues to uh, continues drives there on third down. He he answered those questions for me in the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, and this entire playoffs, he extended drives when he needed to push the ball, kind of that vertical passing game. And you know, a lot, a lot like Eli Manning a few years ago, Eli was kind of uh, struggled early in his career, kind of a second uh, second thought at quarterback, came out before season said he was an elite quarterback led his team to the Super Bowl and, and since then has been putting up some huge numbers and actually picked up his second Super Bowl so I've been uh, kind of penciling out my list here I, I, I haven't put a lot of thought into it but just before we got re- ready to start the show tonight was looking at okay where does where does uh, Flacco rank now you know for me before the season started I probably would have had him about 15 or so as far as quarterbacks in the league but now that the season's over, I'm not going to go as far as say he's top, you know, obviously not number one quarterback. I know he won the Super Bowl, but, you know, uh, Trent Dilfer won the Super Bowl. And, and I'm not comparing the two because Blackwell's definitely a much better quarterback than Dilfer, and, and I think he'd be the first to admit it. But, you know, for me, I think you've got uh, Breeze, Rodgers, both Mannings, and Tom Brady. That's kind of the, the cream of the crop in the NFL. And and I think Flacco has now moved up to, to right in that next group. And for me personally, to move him up that high is pretty high praise. Um, you know, is he going to crack that kind of top five? Does he does he move into Peyton Manning's spot now that Peyton's getting a little older and, and showing his age and, and his injuries? It, it's quite possible. So heading into next season, I think the future's bright for Flacco, and, and I think that's great for him and the, and the Ravens team. So, uh, you know, my I, my criticism of him, I'll have to rethink next year. I've definitely got him now up up in the top ten and just outside the top five as far as quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think that's pretty good company. As far as these two teams, uh, their their futures for next year, um, San Francisco's definitely got youth on their side. Obviously, with Ray uh, Ray Lewis leaving in Baltimore, that's a big hit to their defense. But in general, their defense is a little older and slower. You've got Ed Reed, Suggs has had some injuries. They're going to have to figure out what, they, what they've got to do. Their cap number I was looking at a little bit earlier uh, is okay. Their cap number looks pretty decent. I did hear that they need to make some decisions. They're going to decide on uh, Jones and Bolden and their, their contract situation if they're going to stay on the team. So that's something that they'll have to figure out. But they've got a lot of work to do there on the defense to get some youth in there. 
San Francisco, on the other hand, they're also under the cap. They've got a pretty good free agent situation. So, you know, for them, they're the team more kind of loaded to come back. The, the only thing that they've got going against them is they've got Seattle nipping at their heels, and uh, the Rams aren't anything to laugh at out there in the West. So, um, And the rest of the NFC, you've got Green Bay and Washington and these teams. So um, San Francisco probably has the, the stronger team at this point with the youth coming back next year, but uh, they've also got – uh, some more competition, I think. So um, both these teams are uh, have got their strengths coming back um, next year on, on the quarterback, which is you need a quarterback to, to play in this league. So that puts puts an end there to the Super Bowl. Um, if anyone wants to call in and discuss it, we'll, we'll, we can definitely touch on it. But a great, great end of the season. The NFL couldn't be happier, I'm sure, except for this power outage. But got them some more uh, commercial time. So that, that was good for their advertisers. So now, um, like the rest of us that aren't 49ers and Ravens fans, we've been looking at the offseason here for a little while. I know as a Lions fan, the, the draft is, is my Super Bowl every year because the Lions are one of the, I think, three teams left in the league that have three or four teams that have never played in the Super Bowl. So uh, some key dates coming up here. Uh, we've got some regional combines coming up in February. Uh, L.A., Houston, and Cleveland all hold their regional combine. And then February 20th through the 26th is the big uh, scouting combine there in Indianapolis, which has turned into a great event. I, I know for me uh, personally, I love to watch the combine. I like to watch Mike Mayock and the NFL team, NFL Network team do the breakdown. I think Mike is, is the best player evaluator out there, and uh, I, I really, really respect what he has to say. Um, the, the combine is great that they now have it on television. They also have uh, a situation where they'll let fans come in and watch, and, and I think that's good. It's just a matter of time before we have more access. So the more access for the fans, the better. It helps grow the league and uh, grow the, the interest. So following the uh, the big combine there at the end of March, we've got more regional combine, New York, Tampa, and Chicago. And then uh, coming up in March is when the league year starts. And that's when we have free agency, uh, unrestricted free agents start to get signed. You've got cuts coming. We've already had some ca- uh, some roster moves starting today, and we're going to see those now. There's there's roster bonuses coming due. You know, Michael Vick has a roster bonus coming due. So uh, keep a close eye on your team and their contract situations. But heading to that March 12th date is, is really when things start moving. Um, following the, the league year there on the 12th, we've got uh, some more regional combines in Atlanta, and Seattle and Baltimore. We also have the league meeting, and then the big the big one, the draft, uh, April 25th through the 27th in New York. And you know, I'm sure everyone out there listening loves the draft as much as I do. Watches every pick. You know, see what your team has has to build on for next year. The NFL moved it to prime time couple years back. I think that was a good move on their part. So, uh, you know, it's something we're excited about and excited to be, be anticipating. I do have my first mock draft was put up on Football Extra Points, and I'm already planning on my revisions to it. One thing uh, one thing's true about all mock drafts, and, and if you're a fan of football and you follow this, you know this, 
all mock drafts have one thing in common. They're all wrong. Um, none of them are going to match exactly what happens on draft night, but it is interesting to see what players are available, what's your team's position, what the needs are, uh, how, how certain players fall. So uh, these things are always fluid, always moving. And I'll be updating mine, you know, almost weekly here until the draft. So keep an eye out for that. I did uh, finalize, and it's taken me about a month now to finalize my uh, big board of players. I, I have 119 players is where I landed ranked. And the approach I took is I scoured every every article I could read, every website that had a ranking, and, and aggregated all the rankings into one master big board. It's pretty interesting to exercise of compiling all this data and seeing where players landed. Uh, one thing that was clear to me this year, different than uh, than last year, was there, there's not a consensus number one. Uh, it, it spread out about five different players um, had number one rankings, where last year it was Luck and RG3 made kind of a late run at the number one slot. But um, this year is different. It's uh, no real high-profile quarterbacks. This is going to be a lineman, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, linebacker, number one pick. And uh, for those of us that uh, – you know, follow the game. We know that that you got to have a strong line to have a successful team, and both San Francisco and Baltimore proved that in the Super Bowl. I mean, those were two teams with two of the best offensive lines in the playoffs, and you got to start up front. And as as a Lions fan, um, you know, I, I'm hoping the Lions get a lineman in their pick. Probably offensive lineman would be a good good pick there at number five. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of talent there. I think with the new salary cap structure, one of the biggest things I was looking forward to with that structure was a rookie weight scale, which allowed for more movement in the draft, and we definitely saw that. That was one of the big big things I was wanting to see was how we we're going to see more movement in the draft with that. So, so that's exciting. So you can go out on the site, footballextrapoints.com, and check out my draft board and my mock draft, and like I said, those will be adjusting and moving along the way. And and if you're a fan of a specific team, you know, please let me know your thoughts. What do you think your team needs? What do you think your team's direction is heading? So um, it, it's a fluid process, so I appreciate the uh, the insight. So once we get the uh, the combine, you know, going here, these combines in the next, next few weeks, that will help clear up the draft board who's coming out, see what, what players really have to um, to show these teams and get some pro days going, and, and we'll be able to get that cleaned up. So that's kind of an outline of our uh, of our off-season program. I've been working on some guests, still looking to finalize those um, here over the next few weeks, talking to some people that cover specific teams, bring them on to talk about their individual teams, and I don't have anything solid yet, but that will be out on Twitter and on our sports radio when we get uh, get people coming in and talking about the team. So it's uh, kind of an exciting time to leave. But one thing um, I wanted to touch on tonight is my extra point. Now that the season's over and things have kind of wrapped up, and we move on is this whole situation with player safety. Um it's been a big conversation here all season. 
and the league has made it a priority during the season. Uh, we've got a lot more pass interference calls, and that's something that they're they're saying that they're trying to do to to improve player safety. And you know I understand that, but the reality is there's these lawsuits out there. The league's trying to protect their position. And if one thing can take this league down is if there's a deterioration in play or some huge financial problem, and, and this can directly tie to both of those. We've got players committing suicide, blaming it on their playing time. We've got all these lawsuits. And one thing that the league needs to be careful about is if kids coming up now get redirected from football and get directed to another sport, you know, in 15 years, we're going to see a, a real, um, you know, reduction in talent in the NFL, and, and the and the game could um, could suffer and could go away. And you know, those those of you and those of me that are not old enough to remember when sports like boxing and horse racing kind of ruled things, football was definitely an afterthought. And I don't think it'll go back to that situation, but. Um, the NFL needs to be careful. I mean, American sports fans can can pick up another sport and, and head in that direction, and and other ones get left behind. You know, baseball has been left behind. Uh, it used to be America's pastime, used to be the number one sport, but right now it clearly isn't. And some would argue it's you know trailing trailing football and basketball. And you know, 50 years ago baseball with King. So the NFL needs to be real careful about that. So hopefully they get they get this player safety situation straight so the game can keep its integrity and keep moving forward. So that's my extra point uh for tonight. I appreciate everyone that's uh tuned in for this special edition and appreciate the caller. Uh Whitney, I know she called in before the uh Super Bowl and shared her thoughts. So um, keep an eye out on the website and Twitter account. We'll be talking about guests we've got coming on in the next few weeks. And we'll be diving into the the offseason and getting ready for the draft. So uh, this has been Football Extra Points. I'm your host, Scott King, on RF Sports Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back next week at a regular time. Thank you. Good night.